Let's go to the word, John 3.16 and John 5.39. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have. Amen. 5.39. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Amen. God is the everlasting God. God is the everlasting God. God is the everlasting God. Ge- uh, Genesis 21, 33 says everlasting God, which is the same idea as eternal God, but uh, that is his attribute for eternal, in him is eternal life. And he promises eternal life to those who believe him. So everlasting life, eternal life, same idea. Not having beginning or end, but it is a law, it's an eternally lasting life. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says, In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. So faith in, um, in God. So the faith that believes in God means to believe in the everlasting God and have the hope of everlasting life. So to believe that God is everlasting, that he is eternal, and have hope in the life that he possesses, which he promises to give us when we believe him, and that is eternal life. How many of you have this hope? The hope of eternal life. The hope of everlasting life. You sure? Amen? Then we have to live each and every day having that as the purpose of my life, to receive, to have eternal life, to have everlasting life. I have to lay down whatever hinders, whatever gets in the way of me receiving that eternal life. Laying down in there, uh, in that sense, obviously it comes from this, the Bible, the words of Yeshua himself. Laying down is not tossing because it's worthless, but because it's so precious, you're sowing. So laying down is as a mother hen lays eggs, right? A bird, m- mother baby is laying eggs. She's not throwing it away, but she's laying down, laying down that life because it's the most precious thing to her. She's laying down. So laying down is like sowing seed. And that's what the Christian life is about. In order to have eternal life, the promise eternal life is to lay down, to sow whatever is precious to me, looking forward to that day. Everyone has a dream and everyone has a wish, and that varies by people and varies by different stages of life. Um, when you're young, um, perhaps it's, when you're very young, um, like I guess Ryan, Sung-soo's son, says, I want to be a president. I'm like, you sound so Korean. Like, president? Who wants to be a president? But Korean kids grow up wanting to be president. But I think he's becoming a little more American because we checked a couple of days ago. He said, I want you a policeman. Okay, that's more like American. Okay, so policeman or fireman. Okay, but he started off with president. Okay, whatever. So when you're three years old, four years old, you have this sort of unrealistic thing called dream. Um, that's what it's dream. Um, so you, you would say, I want to be this. I want to be that. I want to be a transformer, you know, whatever, a superman or superhero. Um, but as they grow older, it becomes a little bit more realistic. Um, so it varies. It could be career profession, uh, or they could say, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a YouTuber, which is a lot of kids dream these days. Yes. Uh, YouTuber, do you call TikToker? Is it TikToker? If you do TikTok for a living, is it a TikToker? Yes. TikToker. Yeah, I hope that's not your dream. Okay, so, um, but, but it is dream of some, uh, uh, for some people. But when you get older, it just becomes more narrowed down to very simple thing, is to be healthy. And to be healthy without any disease, live a long life. As simple as that. Uh, um, as 
you might be hearing in the news, like statistically, demographically, you're looking at this country, the baby boomers are aging and they're not dying off. So they're because of medicine, science, technology so good that we prolong their breath, fixing up their problems. So they end up living and there's a lot of them. And that's why they always go like, kiss your social securities goodbye because all these baby boomers are eating up all your funds now. Um, if you fall in the category, don't feel guilty. It's not, I'm not saying anything out there. But anyways, this is the reality, not just in America, but in places like China, uh, Japan, and Korea. So you have aging population that are uh, you know, proportionally heavy uh, or, or large um, compared to the young population because the fertility rate is going down. And place like South Korea, it's like, I don't even know what the percentage is. Like young couples do not have babies at all. So now even China too. So Chinese, the Chinese government is like struggling. They need to produce workers for the future uh, economy and the, and the country. But young couples are uh, not uh, having babies. So they're trying to come up with a government you know, incentives to support um, the economy and so on. Um, but this um, living a long life, uh, longer life, and, but longer life not in sickness and suffering, but in health is what uh, almost everyone uh, dreams of. And that's what, speaking of China, Xin Shi, oh I'm sorry, I'm going to mess it up, but you know, Xin Shi Huang, Xin Shi Huang, okay, whatever. What? Xin <laughs> Shi Huang, okay. All right, I'm always going to fail the pronunciation, Chinese pronunciation. Um, She's the first emperor of China who united the, uh, the whole land, as he, and he is uh, this great emperor. And I forget how old he was when he died, but he did not want to die. So he has sent of his people to look for sort of magic po- uh, po- uh, potion to prolong his life. In the end, they say he most likely died from mercury poisoning. So instead of finding this like magical potion elixir to prolong his life, what they gave him was poison. Here you are, majesty. And then... And he died, um, but he wanted to live on on. And, and he was wealthy, successful, um, but he feared death. And that's why they had to, um, terracotta army was his, yeah. So building these terracotta army of soldiers and, 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 and horses and wagons. Uh, and it's just a massive complex. I've only seen in pictures. Maybe some of you have been there. Uh, super, super impressive. That was to guard him and protect him in the life after. Because he was always thinking about his death and what might happen to him after life. But it's not just his dream, but there are many, many modern-day Xin Shi Huangs in the world thinking about longevity and um, making investment for longevity. So there are two concepts like lifespan and longevity. They say simply it's how long one lives, but lifespan is maybe individual. Um, Longevity is is looking at the whole group. I'm sorry, life expectancy, sorry, life expectancy. Um, So today people live much longer than uh, they used to. Uh, In the Bronze Age, um, uh, life expectancy was 26. Classical Greek time was about 25 to 28. So uh, Alexander the Great, uh, who was this impressive conqueror, um, he died in early 30s, and that was very common uh, back in the day. Ancient Rome was also 20 to 33. Um, uh, that was their average life expectancy. Uh, and then uh, you move to early modern Britain um, up until like the 18th century. You're still looking at 33 to 40 or 27 to or 30 in, in 18th century France. Early American colonies, 28. So people still die very young. And that was not too far from today, right? Um, and then uh, early... Um, 
19th century England was 40. And then you come to the 1900s. Um, the world average was 31 to 32. 1950, the world average was 45 to 48. And then from 1950, you jump to 2019 to 2020, 2020, you have 72 to 73. So I don't know what happened in the last 60 years, but just the, the life ex- average life expectancy of people just jumped, you know, huge uh, de- by decades. Um, so 2023 life expectancy, expectancy. I feel like this is the place to be if you want to live long. And that's Hong Kong. So Hong Kong is 85. 85 years. I know, 85. Um, And Japan is up there as well, 85. Um, I know you're wondering, like, what about America? Um, America ranks, well, South Korea is number 11, 83, 83 83.5. And then right after the Israel, 83. USA ranks number 46 at 79. Um, Female, actually, let's start with male. Male is 76. Female, 81. So 80, <laughs> everywhere, females live longer than males, yes. Um, and then the last one is 193, ranked at uh, Central African Republic, which is at 54. This is still 2023, uh, and then they're still struggling to, to increase. But even uh, in the U.S., the life expectancy actually decreased um, by 0.9 or something in the last two, three years, and that's they blame that onto um, the pandemic. So um, you have these sort of life expectancy that statisticians come out with to sort of you know, project how long a, a group will live in their society. Uh, then you have scientists at the same time trying to slow down the clock or even turn back the clock of aging. So it used to be called the anti-aging, but now they're like, it's not anti-aging, it's anti-anti-aging or whatever. So now they're calling it longevity research, um, asking the question of why do we age and how are we aging? Uh, and they're looking at the genetics of the people who live to 100 um, or, or to their 90s. They're called nonagenarians, uh, no nonagenarians. Um, no and people who live up to hundreds are called centenarians. Centenarians, and then um, there are people who live 105 to 109, semi super, no, semi super centenarians, and then there are super centenarians who live up to 110 plus. Wow. So now people are actually dreaming like breaking the barrier, go beyond 100, uh, and then do that. And there was apparently this um, study, sort of groundbreaking study that was published last year, a medical journal uh, by a molecular, uh, molecular uh, biologist in, at Harvard, um, sort of resetting the aging gene uh, in mice. So uh, these mice that have vision problems, they have actually um, turned an adult cell into stem cell, using some proteins to turn into stem cell, and then improving uh, some retina damage uh, so that the uh, mice can see visions better, have better vision. I don't know how you measure that. But anyway, they measure better vision for the mice. And then they are now saying uh, that this seems to be a permanent reset that we can actually apply to humans. And the scientists are saying, if we reverse aging, disease should not happen. And we have technologies today to be able to go into your hundreds without worrying about getting cancer in your 70s, heart disease in your 80s, and Alzheimer's in 90s. We can actually see this happening in the world that we live today because we have such uh, uh, great technologies and, and our science is um, so um, advanced um, that we can do this. So um, they want to resist this um, life cycle and, and say, we're not only going to slow down, but we're actually going to revert that or re- reset it. 
so that part of your body is actually rejuvenated. So you can uh, put uh, some genetic, um, do genetic therapy or some treatment where your body is actually becoming younger. So that may sound like the movie or the novel that you might know, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. It's kind of old movie for most of you here. But those of you, Julie, if you nodded that you are of certain age, hopefully not super centenarian. Anyway, uh, so the Benjamin Button effect is, I think, it's the reverse of this other real condition um, called Hutchison-Guilford um, syndrome or progeria uh, syndrome, which is um, rapid aging. And that affects one in eight million babies around the world um, where the child's body ages rapidly. So they may be born normal, but about four months into development, they start aging. So you see pictures of parents holding their three-year-old, but the three-year-old actually looks like 90 or even 100. And they usually don't even make it to teens because their uh, organs are failing. does not mean that they have mental or intelligence um, delay. They're actually more advanced um, compared to their um, peers, uh, the healthy or normal um, peers. So uh, progeria is this condition where it's really heartbreaking. I cannot imagine being a parent and watching your child aging much faster than you and then dying. So while... That, and that condition, that syndrome, although very rare, uh, it's this one single genetic mutation, they say, but uh, it is incurable. Um, you have that extreme of still, uh, it, it's still mystery and struggle for science and technology to, um, uh, to deal with. But then on the other end, um, these experts are now pushing the boundary of not only slowing down, but uh, reversing and resetting aging. So what do you think? Do you think that could ever be achieved? That we can actually live to be super duper <laughs> centenarians living beyond 110 and then, and then what? And then what is the question? Right? What does the Bible say about that? God is the one who created all things and all things that is beginning have end. And that no matter how science or medicine uh, advances in this world in our lifetime or maybe even beyond that no one can stop that or revert that change that it's actually the attempt of humans because it's human nature to want to live and not die it's actually creating another Babel tower right? Babel tower that comes in Genesis 11 after the flood in Noah's time people remember everyone dying because of the flood and they built this tower for themselves that will reach to the to, to, to the heavens uh, and say we will do this for ourselves and we will help ourselves we will do this to survive on our own and so on uh, so this effort of wanting to live on and on and on well knowing that in, there is an end but to not reach that as, um, as long as possible is almost challenging the principle that the creator set in place, which is the principle that Genesis 3.19 said, for dust you are, to dust you return. Let's say that together. For dust you are, to dust you will return. But this instinct and the desire, instinctive desire to live is instilled in us. It's the song that we sang. It's, you said, eternity in my heart, right? So we have this desire, desire by nature to live. And that living is not just this one life that is brief here uh, now and gone tomorrow, but actually that life is called eternal life. And the Bible shows us the way to have eternal life. As we read in John 5, 39, there in the beginning, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Why are we studying the scriptures? To have eternal life. To what? 
have eternal life. And what did Jesus say? Yeshua say, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. About me. So the scriptures is about who? Yeshua. We study the scriptures for what? So who do we need to know through the scriptures? Yeshua. Simple? Simple. Yes, that's why the scriptures are written. The Bible is written. That's why we are studying the Bible, reading the Bible here in the month of January. But in verse 40, the Lord said, then and true now, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And that's the same thing for the world even to this day. The world laughs at such promise, the promise of eternal life. They cannot believe it. It doesn't make sense. Even though they will pay attention then looking at a mouse that is aging normally and the other mouse that's actually going back in time and becoming younger. Wow, that sounds too good to be true. Let me find out more. They want more of that. Then paying attention to what God promised in the Bible through the words of Yeshua. Which is that eternal life is given to those who believe him. And we know his promises. We know about him in the Bible through the Bible. Now, the reason why people don't want to believe it is because they think that eternal life is just an option. Uh, and if they have it, nice. But they're not interested in it. Therefore, no thanks. Let's look at Matthew twenty-five forty-six. Look at the alternative to eternal life. Matthew 25, 46. Then they will go away. 25, 46. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous too. So two options. What is it? It's either eternal life or? Yes, eternal punishment. And we've never been dead to say 100% confidently there's no such thing as eternal life or eternal punishment. I mean, again, if you ask me, eternal life is nice if we have it, but if we don't have it, eh. But eternal punishment, if there is such, man, I better pay attention. I better make sure that I'm not going to go there. And that is done by the choice that I make while I'm alive. So the pathway for the everlasting God to give his everlasting life to the creatures that he made the pathway, the pathway for the everlasting God to give eternal life, everlasting life to creation is through the word. What is the pathway for the everlasting God to give his everlasting life to creatures that only live one life, brief life? It is through the word. It is the word. As John twelve fifty says, I know that his command leads to eternal life. That word is given in the form of? Command, I know it's always the same thing. It is. It is the same thing. Because you forgot it and still you don't get it. That's why we need to keep on going to it. And never forgetting. God created all things um, that we see and more. Things that we don't even see he created. And he created the spiritual heaven and spiritual beings before he created the material uh, heaven, the material world that we call the universe and, and all the things that we know in it. And when he made beings, like the angels are spiritual beings. And when he made man, uh, who is also a spiritual being in the flesh, he made uh, these beings with the dual sides of free will. So we have the free will to either receive the word of God and obey it and have eternal life, or to reject the word, disobey it, don't care for it, and then end up going to eternal punishment. This is a choice that we make with the free will that he gave us. Um, so God uh, wants us, wants to give us the life that he alone has. So when we say God is the everlasting God, we're saying that um, God alone has the everlasting life. No one else has it. It's his exclusive possession. 
That's what makes him God. What makes, what makes God God is his everlasting God. Do you understand? I cannot even imagine it because I'm in this mortal body, which has beginning and end. I just don't know when the end's going to happen. I know when it began. But it is actually moving towards the end. And it's done. It will expire one day. So I cannot even imagine what everlasting life is like. That's why the Bible has been written. God has been revealing to us how beautiful, how precious, how precious this life is. And that God planned to give it to us. Give it to us, share with us. Us, meaning those who have free will. Now let's go back and understand how we are made um, in Genesis 2-7 and then 2-17. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So the living being refers to the spiritual being that has flesh. What is it? The spiritual being that has flesh. Angels are therefore not living beings. Right, because they don't have flesh. So the spiritual with the spirit with flesh, a living being, this living being called our ancestor Adam, was given the word as food for the spirit. Two seventeen. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. That's the word that was given to Adam, the spirit with flesh, to use his free will to either receive it or reject it. Uses free will to choose to obey or not obey. When he obeys, then he will have life in the spirit. When he disobeys, he will reject the life that, was pro- that is promised, and therefore the spirit will die. And what happened to him? What did he choose? He was deceived by the serpent, who is the devil. The devil, Satan, the fallen angel. And rejected the command. So he took the fruit. Our ancestor, Adam, took the fruit. And describing that in Romans 5.12, even though it was his sin, that one man's sin, all men died as a result of that. All speaking of the spirit. So when Adam ate the fruit, it was rejecting life, rejecting the promise of eternal life. And therefore, all men coming after Adam all died in the spirit. So what happens to the dead spirit? Does it enter eternal life or eternal punishment? Eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. So all men... Made, uh, the bodies are made from the dust. So then we'll go back to dust. How sad. How sad, right? No matter how healthy you try to be, you try to exercise and hold back on your impulse, you know, desire, impulsive desire to go to Popeye's. You try to resist because you want to live one more year. And you try to go for one more mile running because you want to live one more year. But at the end of it, kaput. We all die. Describing that in Psalm 90.10, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. We fly away. So at the end of this life, after trying to live one more day or one more year or one more decade, in the end, these bodies will return to dust. Not only that, that because of sin that we inherit in our spirit, along with the spirit we inherit sin, and death came as a result of sin then all men are now bound for hell, eternal punishment for sin. And that place is called the second death. What kind of death? Why is it called the second death? Because you already died, right? Physically, we already die. And spiritually, we'll enter death, which is to experience death forever and ever in the resurrected body. Simply called hell, the lake of fire. Revelation 20 describes that. So that becomes a human destiny. Adam lived up to 930 years. 
not bad. That is super, super, super <laughs> centenarian. Uh, Methuselah lived till what? 969. Noah lived till 950. Then we, get, we see a little bit of decrease. Abraham lived to 175. Isaac, 180. Jacob, 147. Moses, 120. So then we have um, what we know now uh, as whatever the average age or average life expectancy. So um, then eventually God chooses people of Israel, people who come from Abraham, to reveal himself as the God who gives breath to all living things. What is, what is he? The God who gives breath to all living things things. Number 1622, and the name Jehovah or Yahweh is revealed to them as the name of the God who gives breath to all living things. What kind of God again? The God who gives breath to all living things. Living things? Physical things, right? So God promised a long life to the people of Israel whom he chose by giving them the law. And if they were to obey the law, they were promised a long life. Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20, God says through, um, Moses, there this day I, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But no matter how many years these people live, they all died. That's the point. They all died. They lived once and then they died. They lived certain years and then they died. Everyone died. The only one who was and is and is to come is God alone. And to the people of Israel, his name is what? Jehovah. And Jehovah meant what? The God who gives what? Breath to the... To all living things. Yes. So the sanctuary that was built had this name, the name of Jehovah. And it also had the stone tablets that had the do's and don'ts, the commandments. So they remember that God's name is Jehovah, which means the God who gives breath to all living things. And that if they obey the commandment of Jehovah, what would happen to them? They will live long years. You don't need to do stem stem cell research or genetic analysis or anything. You just need to obey the commandment and you will live a long life. So they tried. They tried to keep this covenant. But again, the condition was to keep the commandments. But uh, part of the commandment was to not eat the blood of any creatures. Let's go to Leviticus 17, 11 and verse 14. Leviticus 17, 11, 14. So while we're talking about life, let's read about blood. 1711, Leviticus. For the life of a creature is in the blood. I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So the life of a creature is where? In the? Yes. And it's the blood does what? What does it do? Makes atonement for one's life. uh, 14. Because the life of every creature is in its blood, that is why I have said for the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature because the life of every creature is its blood. Anyone who eats it must be? All right. Wow. Cut off, meaning put them to death. So it starts off with the life of a creature is in its blood and blood atones and therefore you must not eat blood because it's eating life. How many of you have blood sausage? Blood sausage. Every, you know, I thought it was just the Koreans. Like, there's a barbarian. They're eating like blood pudding in their soup. There's a blood soup, right? Blood soup with the like cut, sliced blood. I'm like, oh, what is it? 
But I found out everyone else eats blood too, everywhere around the world. Well, especially the older cultures, they know how to enjoy every part of the pig, every part of the, uh, the cow. So they make those b- delicious blood sausages. And I, I haven't watched this, but I heard that um, there's some kind of video showing how some parts of Sicily making blood sausage while the pig is still alive. Yeah, that's where I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to d- describe to you because I heard Pastor Kang describe it and I'm like, because oh. <laughs> I still want to enjoy my sausage. I don't want to hear it. But I guess the way they really want to make it in a special, special way is while the pig is still alive. Oh my goodness. So this is what was banned uh, according to the law, also known as the law of Moses, because blood means life and God is the owner of life. So when anyone takes blood from any creature, they're taking what belongs to God. So could, you, could that person expect to live on if you steal what belongs to God? No way. So that's why they were cut off. They were put to death. So they were to remember blood means life and life belongs to God. And they are not to shed or take it from anyone else. Instead, however, in the sanctuary, they were to shed the blood of animals as sacrifice given to God. It comes from God. It goes back to God. Life comes from God. You give life. You don't take anyone else's life. You don't even take your own life because it's not your life. So that was a reminder of the commandment. And they were to keep it to have breath. Extension of their breath on earth. However, as Proverbs 10.27 says, The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. So that's the history of Israel. The lesson from the history of Israel is the wicked, disobedient, were put to death. They couldn't live longer. But those who fear God and obey the law, obey the commandments, their breath prolonged, they lived long. That was as simple as that. So Jehovah was the God of the life of all flesh. They had to remember this. And the temple was a guarantor, the the, uh, warrant for their promise for long life. So when a man claiming himself to be sent by God, the everlasting God, standing before this very temple, first it was the tabernacle in the desert, now it's the temple of Jerusalem, what did he say that made the Jewish people upset, especially the Jewish leaders? He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. This is the, these are the words of Jesus or Yeshua. Yeshua he said, destroy this temple, destroy this temple. Now, he was not talking about the building, but he was talking about the temple of his body because he was saying three days after destroying it, I will raise it back up. I will raise it up again, meaning he will resurrect. So only after he died and resurrected through the Holy Spirit, the disciples made the connections, realized Yeshua was speaking of the temple, but he was a temple of his body. He was saying, destroy it, meaning now I'm going to reveal to you the true everlasting God who is not in the name of Jehovah, but now in the Father's name of what? Yeshua, John 5, 43. So it is the Father's name, it is the name of Yeshua, that I will reveal the, is as the name of the everlasting God. Remember, Jehovah is the name of God who gives breath to all living things. That breath that extends to 70, 80, or even 120. But at the end of it, from for dust you are, to dust you return. But here is Yeshua saying that he has now come to reveal the name of Yeshua as the name of the everlasting God to give not the commandment that, uh, that told them to not eat blood of creatures, but instead now he's going to say, drink my blood. What? 
This is why you can imagine the, Jew, the Jews who heard him. Like, we're not even supposed to eat sausage. And you're saying, drink your blood? Who do you think we are? Barbarians? Cannibals? We can't eat your, we can't eat your flesh or drink your blood. But here's Yeshua saying, yes, you must drink my blood. If you knew who I was and what I was saying, you would drink my blood because my blood will bring you eternal life, everlasting life, not for the flesh, but for your soul. Amen. The temple, again, was about the name of Jehovah who gives bread to all living things. At the end of it, they all die, however. But it now Yeshua is saying, I am the new temple that came from heaven. Inside of me is the Father's name, the name of Yeshua, who has come now to give everlasting life to the souls who believe. So drinking his blood means believing, receiving his blood. Let's go to John 6, 53 to 54. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I'll raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. He is saying his flesh is real food and his blood is real drink. If you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you will have life in you. In you. What? Which part? The flesh or the spirit? The spirit. What about his blood and and his flesh? Do we like literally take his flesh and start eating? Drink human blood? Because that's what they thought. They said, this is too hard to understand. We don't even eat pig's blood. We, we don't even eat pig, period. And you're saying, drink your blood. What are you talking about? What was he talking about? What was he talking about? Go to John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God. So in the two verses there, we see in the beginning twice, right? In the beginning was the word. And the verse 2 repeats that. He was with God in the beginning. But you also see in the beginning elsewhere in the Bible. Where is it? Hopefully you are beyond that. Genesis 1.1. I'm out of there, pastor. Okay, good. So Genesis 1.1 is in the beginning, but that beginning is the beginning of time. Beginning of the created world, right? When God created all things by his word. But John's in the beginning is actually everlasting. It's eternity. So this is why I like the English word everlasting there because eternity may seem just so abstract. Like what's eternity? Is it just like long? But everlasting is like it's lasting but ever. There's no end. So it's a little bit even more defined, I guess, for us to understand. So everlasting. So he was with God in the everlasting. In everlasting. And everlasting there he was. The word was from everlasting and the word was in everlasting before anything was made. So anything that has been made has time, has limited existence, beginning and end. But God has no beginning and end because he's everlasting God. And that in, ever, in that everlasting state, if you will, there was the word with God. The word was God. So he's God in nature. He's part of God. He's one with God. And 118 says what? 118 says, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the father's side has made him known. So father's side is actually father's bosom. So one with the father, intimately one with the father to be made known. So to be manifested, that was God's plan all along. According to schedule, that word will be manifested. The God would be manifested through the word, in other words. So when Yeshua said, drink my blood, 
eat my flesh, drink my blood. He's talking about this word that he is. Because in verse 14, it says what? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father full of grace and truth. So the word who comes from the father is now referred to as called um, the son. So he called himself the word who became flesh in the name of Yeshua. He came and he referred to himself as the son of man. Though he is the son of God, he called himself the son of man. Son of man means that he is everlasting. He is the everlasting God who became man. Man who has beginning and end. Like such a man, he came to the world that he made. So say with me, the word became flesh. The everlasting God became flesh. The everlasting God came as the son of man. Now, why would he do that? Why would the everlasting God become man and live like us in the world that we live? That has beginning and end, but not only beginning and end. Think about how many creatures lived and died, lived and died, lived and lived and died. This place is a place that decays. And not only that, in 2 Peter 3, 7, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. So eternal punishment is going to take place in the universe that we call home right now. So not only is there physical death, physical death, physical death from the Bronze Age to the modern era to the, to the future of this world, this is a place that where spiritual death, eternal death will take place. Eternal punishment. So why would the eternal God who knows no God, knows no death? He knows no death. That's the definition of everlasting God. He knows no death. God knows no death. But he became the son of man in order for him to die. In order for him to die and only through his death, he will shed his precious blood. For the life of every creature is in its Blood. He commanded the people of Israel not to drink blood or eat blood of any creature. But now, even though he's not a creature, the creator God became flesh, came like a creature and says, drink my blood. So what is his flesh that he commanded to eat? And what is his blood that he commanded to drink? It is the word. It is spirit. It is the everlasting life that comes from God. Amen. So here he is saying, I will shed my blood. I will lay down my life willingly to shed blood. I will go to my death. So only through my death, through that crucifixion, which causes the flesh to tear apart. Mind you, his flesh tore apart already when he was flogged before the crucifixion. But he would have to go to the cross because that was where he will finally, ultimately nail the sins of the world to the cross. Paying the price of sin as it killed his body. But through such death, he will shed his blood to pour out his life, the everlasting life of God. That's why the word became flesh. And that's why he said in John three thirty six, whoever believes in the son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains in him. So only when we believe in the son, as we read in 316, for God so loved the world, he, he gave what? His one and only son. So whosoever believes him 
will have what? Eternal life. Will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, people take that perishing as physical perishing, but we already established this body's going to perish just like the dogs and the cats and the rats and the pigs out there. We're talking about the perishing of the spirit in the fire of hell. Hell? I don't like the sound of that. I know. Because instinctively, we don't like it. We're scared of it. But actually, Yeshua described it. Let's go to Mark 9 quickly. Mark 9, 43. What kind of place is this? Mark 9, 43. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell. Where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Where? The worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. These are the words of Yeshua. I didn't make it up. I'm just kind of using my voice and excitement in there. But these are, if you're reading this and going like, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, it's better. This is why I'm trying to wake you up and pay attention to what he said. He's describing the reality of hell. It is better for you to be maimed, crippled, and blinded, and go into eternal life than with all your limbs intact, your eyes intact, and be thrown into hell. What he's saying is, if your eye causes you to sin, if your hand causes you to sin, if your leg causes you to sin, whatever causes you, it's better to cut them off than to be thrown into hell with all them intact. In because hell is a place where you don't, it's not a joke. It is not fake. It is real. The Bible's warning is true. The reason why he came to give his life is so that men may believe him and have everlasting life. So they would not be thrown into hell. That they would not face eternal punishment. That they would not go to hell. This became the reality, whether we want it or not, since God made the world. And according before he made the world, he decided to be the everlasting God. To give that everlasting life, he made man as spiritual being. But before man was made, there was already the origin of sin, the devil. Who had then deceived our ancestor Adam to sin, and sin entered all men. That became the reality for all of us before we knew it. But this was according to God's plan and desire that finally led the son to the cross, his death. But as he died, what did he declare? Yeshua said, it is finished. Because it was the moment, as he said in John 10, 17, 18, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from the father. This command I received from the? Who did he receive the command from? When? When? In the beginning. In everlasting. In eternity. That command, he knew as he said in John twelve fifty. I know that his command leads to? Eternal life. What's the pathway for the everlasting God to give the everlasting life that he alone has to the creatures who want it? Through the word. And the word is given in the form of command. So even though Yeshua is the very nature God, he is the everlasting God. When he became flesh, he who knows no sin, we say, as we read in 2 um, Corinthians chapter 5, but he who knows no death is the definition of the everlasting God. 
He who knows no death became flesh to know death. Their knowing is having relationship, experience, experience. So having the experience of death, he needed sin to be put on his body. That when that happens, he will do it willingly according to the Father's command. Because this is the principle that the creator God placed. The everlasting God placed. You want everlasting life? You need to receive my word by your choice. And that means to obey by your choice. Use your free will to obey. Because it will bring you to everlasting life. That's what Yeshua did himself. And when he laid down his life, the father received submission. Submission. Unconditional obedience for his, as his love for the father and love for eternal life that was promised for the son. Even though, again, he is the everlasting eternal God. When he's in the flesh, in the world, that is the only way to leave this place of death and enter eternal life. Hallelujah. And by doing, by, by laying down his life such a way, he judged the origin of sin, who is the devil, the ruler of death. Hebrews 2.14 says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. Who holds the power of death until then? That is the devil. Because the devil led Adam to sin. The price of sin enter all men. What's the price of sin? Death. And therefore, all men will surrender everything before the power of death. Put a gun to someone's head, they will surrender everything because they fear death. And that is the power of death. That was the ruler of death. But Yeshua laying down his life with his life, he condemned death. He condemned the ruler of death to set men free. Hallelujah. So in Hebrews 2.15, there it continues. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So through his death, Yeshua dying as the last Adam... He paid the price of sin for the first Adam. So one for one. That's why Yeshua is called the last Adam. One for one. He's not dying eight billion times for every single billion people on earth. But all men share this one spirit called the spirit of Adam. The first Adam. He died as the last Adam paying the price of all men's sin. And therefore through his death he made a way. He tore his flesh and opened the door. Opened the door, made an opening out of this material heaven that was now, that was until then bound by angels so that no spiritual being can escape. Not because it's too far, we cannot leave the universe. Because of sin, we cannot leave. But Yeshua, through his death, opening up his flesh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He made a way for those who believe him. In other words, who will receive his blood, who will drink his blood, who will choose to believe him to enter eternal life now can follow the way and enter that everlasting. Hallelujah. He made the way. He redeemed for all men, but it is only for those who use their free will to drink and continue obeying that only they are promised to have everlasting life. But just as he said he would, he was raised back to life. As the father raised him back from, back to life from the dead. He was risen, he, he resurrected, and he was taken up to heaven finally. And Yeshua sat down on the throne in heaven. How many of you believe that Yeshua ascended to heaven? That he's alive today, Amen. He died, he rose, and he did not disappear, but he was taken up to heaven, sat down on the throne as the king of kings. He is the lamb upon the throne. 
the lamb who was slain. As Revelation 1.18 says, I'm the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. Look at the marks on my body as a lamb has. Lamb, a sacrifice, has marks, scars of being slaughtered. And why is it that he who can do everything, who is now in this glorious, beautiful body, why didn't he like have a, like a cosmetic surgery to get rid of the scars? They can do all kinds of stuff now here on earth for the flesh. Why not for his body? Because his marks, his scars will testify that according to the Father's word, he laid down his life to now receive that life and never lose it again. Now he is testified forever, as 1 John 5.20 says... And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. He is the true God and eternal life. Say it with me. He is the true God and eternal life. Who? Who? Yeshua is the true God and eternal life. Who is the true God and eternal life? That is Yeshua. Hallelujah. Now he is tested, being testified forever and ever. He is the true God. He is the eternal life. And it's from that throne the Holy Spirit was sent according to promise. And he comes not to the unbelieving world or anybody in the world, but only those who believe, who receive, as John 1 12 says, who believe and receive and will become the child of God, will become the right to become children of God. That if we drink the blood of Yeshua by believing then the Holy Spirit comes to such souls so say amen if you have drank the blood of Yeshua oh you must like blood blood sausage too would you have blood sausage with that his blood is spirit blood. It's got nothing to do with, with the flesh blood. His blood is spirit. Therefore, me, the spirit, the soul, can drink it. Say amen if you have drank the blood of Yeshua. That means that you individually, personally, by your choice, have received him, have accepted his blood, welcomed his blood into your soul. That means now the soul that was once dead in sin has received the life of God. Has received the life of God. Do you believe that? Now you're alive forever and ever. Amen? Do you have eternal life then? We do not have everlasting life yet. We have not entered that eternal life. Certainly the life we received is everlasting because it belongs to the everlasting God, the blood of Yeshua. So the, blood, the life that I have received in my soul, we always ex- express it like a drop. Right? Drop. So you kind of imagine like a drop of blood. So how long, how much do I need? I think I need a gallon at least because I, I, made, I made many mistakes. I committed many sins and maybe I need like a super gallon. Like I fill it up, fill it up. I need to be filled up. But a drop means as in I just need that one time true confession and acceptance, reception, like welcoming of the blood. And that one time accepting and receiving cleanses all my sins, washes away all my many, many sins, and I have now a new life that belongs to God, is in me, the soul. How many of you believe that? Say amen. But I have not entered eternal life yet. Because by definition, eternal life, as the, as, as the word again repeats over and over again, you study the scriptures by studying them that you may have eternal life. Whoever, whosoever believes in the Son will have eternal life. That eternal life, the eternal life, the hope of eternal life. That eternal life is to live eternally. Because right now the soul has received the blood of Yeshua, but this body, I'm still in this body that's going to expire one day. Just like, just like the milk in your fridge, expiration date is on. I don't know what date is on my body, but it's going to expire. And certainly I'm getting closer to my expiration date that I was 
yesterday. Every day I'm getting closer to that day. I don't know when, but it is going towards the end. So until I leave this body, that is, and through resurrection, I don't enter eternal life yet. So eternal life is to live eternally, eternally in God's environment with God. So God's environment, what's God's environment? Remember God being the everlasting God. He enjoys his joy, his peace, his happiness, his glory that is also eternal, that has no end. So simply it's to live eternally, joyfully, happily, gloriously with God, like God. How many of you want that? How many of you want that? There's so many people right now filling up the ICU beds and if they don't have access to medical care in their homes or somewhere suffering and dying. So many, many of them. And all they're looking forward to waiting is to prolong their breath. I need transplant. I need transfer heart for the liver, for kidney. I want to live a little bit longer so I can see my grandchildren get married. Whatever it is, they want to live a little longer and exist a little longer. So many people are dying, just having the hope of their breath be lasting a little longer. But the hope that God gives us through the Holy Spirit reminds us of this hope is not to prolong our breath, but to have everlasting life, to live with the everlasting God face to face, to live joyfully, happily, gloriously, to no end. Hallelujah. Do you want to have that? That's why we have to come to church on the Lord's day. As we worship, the Lord blesses us and reminds us, you are so, you're not just flesh. Nobody told you that. Nobody reminds you that from Monday to Saturday in your workplace, in your family even, or even at school, your friends, whoever they are. Nobody talked about it. Nobody reminded you of that. But here on the Lord's day, as you worship, you have given offerings, you praise them, you create, you pray to you serve them. Now is the time of blessing from the everlasting God saying, this is what is promised for you. The hope of eternal life. Hallelujah. So we are to have this hope grow and grow and grow because it is so precious. He does not toss it away. Like throw it and say like throwing a bone to a dog and like whoever, whatever, whatever you want to do. No. Because it is so precious. He gives to only those who receive his word as command. Not the word just as to like increase your knowledge and you could cite the Bible and sound smart. And impress your friends. It is not about meditating so you could feel religious and be better than other people. But it is to receive the word. Even if it doesn't sit right. Pastor King asked it's a question last week, right? It's like, do you feel uncomfortable hearing the word? And if you say comfortable, get out of here, she said. That's her answer to everybody. Get out of here. When you hear the word, you ought to be uncomfortable. Because the word breaks our hearts, cuts to the heart. In Acts 2, when Peter started preaching emboldened by the Holy Spirit, Jesus, whom you killed, God raised him to life. We are all witnesses of this. You killed him. And then the people who, who heard it, they were there. They cried out, crucify Yeshua. And they felt convicted in their conscience. They said, what must we do? What must we do, brothers? We're cut to the heart with our guilt. And that's when he said, repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Yeshua for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when we hear the word, it is to be reminded even in painful way that we are souls and we are, we have received this promise of eternal life. So what the Holy Spirit lets believers like us do is to no more so to please our flesh, 
But to sow to please the spirit. Go to Galatians 6, 8. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Again, whoever sows to please their flesh for, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Now you need to pay attention. Now you need to pay attention. If you just barely make on Sunday, you're a Sunday Christian. Is there such a person in COJ? It's hard to be a Sunday Christian in COJ, isn't it? Because <laughs> there's no such thing. You don't, come, you don't call yourself Christian and come church only once a week. You only live a spiritual life once a, once a week for two hours? Is that real? We are living flesh life and spiritual life simultaneously, folks. And the God who is everlasting, God who has this most beautiful thing called everlasting life. He decided to share that with creatures like us. Who only live a moment in light of eternity. He wants to share that with us. That's why he sent his son to perish on on the cross and be treated like an animal, like a criminal. And be killed like a sinner. Though he knows no sin, knows no death. He became that at the cross so that he will pay the price of sin for me, for us. So that when we hear the good news later on after his death, that we will welcome that good news that he died for me to make a way for me to have eternal life. And I therefore welcome and excitedly, gratefully drink his blood. And therefore, if this is me, this is you, then I have to resolve by the power of the Holy Spirit to no longer sow for the pleasure of the flesh. And you're going to say, well, I'm not staying home because of the pleasure of the flesh. I got to go to work. I work late. You know, it's like my workplaces, a restaurant or store closes so late. It's too tired for me to come on Friday and Saturday and pray. Well, knowing that. Jesus said, let's go to Mark 10, 29 to 30. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and the age to come, eternal life. Comfortable or uncomfortable words? Not mine. These are words of Yeshua, the loving God, the everlasting God who willingly laid down his life. Here he is saying, before he laid down his life to give that precious life to whosoever desires to drink his blood and have that life and grow in the hope of everlasting life. Here he is saying, no one who has left home, brothers and sisters, Fields, land, dreams, investments, and future studies, and friends. All these things are things that we need in life. Right? These are all the things that are beneficial for us in this life. But us as in the flesh. The flesh, the emotion, the heart, the body. It's all flesh. And the Lord is saying, anyone who lays them down, leave them behind. Again, not abandoning and becoming a runaway. But it's to sow them. Sow them, lay them, sowing, sowing like a seed, sowing for the spirit, for the pleasure of the spirit. I'm sowing, sowing my time, sowing my money, sowing my, my possession and my passion 
whatever that may be for. Maybe passion is for your family, for your livelihood. I'm like, I got to take care of my family. That's why I have to go to work and I have to work 12-hour shift. And that's why I can't come to church besides Sunday. And here's the Lord saying, then leave them, lay them down. Because for you, is promise, our promise, all these things that you will sow in this life. But more importantly, what's promised for you in the age to come? Not interested? Not, inter- not interested? In the age to come? Folks, if not eternal life, it's eternal punishment. If it's not eternal life, it's eternal punishment. But I want us to open our eyes to the end. The beginning was the word. That in the beginning is in eternity was the word who is the everlasting God who would become flesh to die. To pay the price of sin for you and me. And pour out his blood for whosoever to drink that blood. By choice. By faith. And walk this path to sow my time, my treasure, my passion, my future, my family, my children, my parents, and my money and my possession. Whatever it is, I ought to sow, 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 so that in the end I will not fail to enter eternal life. Amen? Receiving the life through the blood took no work at all. All I had to do was open up my mouth, open up my heart, and drink it up. That's it. But from then until eternity, I have to sow. Sow my time. Do you mean that I need to quit my job? Perhaps you do. I'm not promoting quitting your job. Some people, I say, stay in your job. Because it's happening too often. You got to stay. Stay put. But other people, if they're saying, I can't do this and this and that because of my job, because of my family, because of my friends. I'm not coming because my friends are inviting me to go out to dinner on Friday night. You know, I don't want to miss out. Fear of missing out. You've heard that. Such person is sowing for the pleasure of the flesh to reap not eternal life, but destruction. People say, I'm so, I'm so tired. I work so hard Monday to Friday. I don't have time. I don't, I don't even, I'm so tired to come to Friday prayer service. I pray at home. I'm fine. For the pleasure of the flesh, they sow, they will reap destruction. Not my words. Words of the Bible, folks. That's why I want you to read it. And trust me that I'm reading the same Bible and speaking from the same word. But it is, yes, uncomfortable. It is very challenging. That's why it says, 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight for the faith. What are we fighting for? What are we fighting for? Faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight for the faith. We started in saying, be believing. Act. Move. We are believing in the invisible God, the creator of all things. He spoke the word and I ought to obey. Let the word be fulfilled in me. And here it is. For what? For eternal life. Because it's so precious, he didn't just throw it away. He wants only those who will go through the hardship and obstacles, persecution even, to eat this word and keep at it until the end. Only they will enter everlasting life. We need to open our eyes to who God is. How great his promise is therefore. That's why Yeshua said in Matthew 10, 37, 38, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Me? 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 The everlasting life. 
Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Which is the same as Matthew 16, 26. Says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What is the point of having everything that you like? A good family, a good job, good career, good friendship and all this stuff. In the end, there is destruction waiting for your soul. So therefore, while in this life, I'm letting go one by one. one go, and my friends are making fun of me. People around me are saying, what is, you're becoming a loser. And you have become a loser. But if you gain eternal life, you are the winner. Amen? Oh, this word is so hard and so impractical, so unrealistic. It's COJ. How long am I going to hear this for? You're putting pressure on me. This is too much. I can't live my life like a pastor. I'm not telling you live a life of pastor. You and I need to live as souls who want eternal life. And that means I need to eat the word every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to another church. I'm going to go to church somewhere after. Maybe not as, as hard as here. You read the Bible. And if you believe that we preach from the Bible as is, speaking the word of Yeshua, who is the Lord of life, the everlasting God. What other word is there? Everyone else saying something else is fake. It's fake. It's artificial. You want that? It is true. If you live, like, if you are living on McDonald's chicken McNuggets all the days of your life, and when you're given chicken breast, you're like, ooh, what is that? It's not real. The real stuff is this. This is why people could be in church all their lives and come here and they go, whoa, what is this? What is this? It's too raw. It's too, too hard. But can we look at the Bible together and understand who God is and from what perspective he is saying? And he who is from everlasting became flesh, came into the world that he made. You know, the world that we live is so comfortable. We can't even imagine the life after death. It's like, what is it going to be like that? And thinking about leaving this world is saddening, right? It's like, I don't want my friend, my family to die. And I don't want to imagine myself dying and leaving my family because this is the only world that we know. This is the only life that we know. And we may think that this world is beautiful. Hey, look at the pictures of some places around the world. It is still beautiful. But is it beautiful? In the eyes of God, this is the place where eternal punishment will take place. Eternal death will take place. This is the place of the second death. This is not where eternal life is promised, folks. Eternal life is with God, the everlasting God, and his name is Yeshua. And to lose everything but gain eternal life, it will be worth it. So this lifetime that I live, this one life that I live, is the opportunity I have to secure everlasting life. In the Old Testament, living to 900, to 100, 120, was a blessing for the people of Israel. But in the New Testament, starting with Yeshua and all his followers, the disciples, the apostles, the martyrs, nobody lived a comfortable long life. So were they all cursed? No. They were more blessed than we can imagine. Because they recognized the value of the everlasting life that only Yeshua can give through his word. They rather die. They rather lose their breath. Than to lose the chance of eternal life, they chose death. So it is to open our eyes to see that the everlasting life that God promises, the most important thing as I'm beginning this new year and thinking about what may come and all the planning that's ahead, why I need to 
do this? Why do I need to even get a job or, or move and live here? And why do I need to come to the gatherings? Why do I need to pray? Why do I need to read the, read the Bible? Why do I need to go to evangelize and serve? It is all for me to gain and have eternal life. It is not theory, it's not idea, but it is a reality. There is a day coming when it will become reality. So even if it's hard, and that is why he commanded us to pray. Prayer is what makes the impossible possible. Amen? Prayer is what moves mountains. And I'm not saying screaming at bare mountains. A bare mountain moved. It is your heart that is as hard as a rock that won't move. That's what you need to break and move by the power of prayer. Do you understand? You already have an answer. You know where you need to go. But you're not moving because you're stubborn. And you're giving in to the pleasures of flesh. That's why you need to break and to need and pray. And if you truly have prayed. And it's not some reciting and doing religious. But it's a real confession. And repenting and broken and contrite. Cut to the heart and seeking his help. Then he will give you help. To take another step towards everlasting life. On a day called this day. Amen. That's why I pray. Because without prayer, I don't have the courage. I don't have the courage. I don't have the confidence. I don't have the strength to carry all these souls on my back to pull them. It's hard for me to go, but I still have to take all of you guys to with me. Because all the souls have been given to me that I shall lose none, but raise them all up in the last day. I want us to examine What is the most important thing in my life right now? I need a job. I need a paycheck. I need this. If the Lord were to take your breath away tonight, where will you be? Eternal destruction or eternal life? That is the question. Let us pray. The pathway the everlasting God has made to give his precious So precious everlasting life to creatures like us is his word. And whatever is getting in the way of me obeying the word, I need to therefore cut it off. Yeshua who is loving said, cut your hand off, cut your feet off, gouge your eye out. It's that kind of determination you need to have. If it's your family that gets in the way. Your love for money that gets in the way. Even your need for money that gets in the way. You need to cut it off. Lay it down. Sow it. He who promised eternal life. Would he not give us what we need in this age. In this life. Let us lift up our hands to heaven. Where our beloved Lord. Everlasting God Yeshua is. I have your blood Yeshua. I have your precious life in my soul. But because my flesh is weak, I'm always falling and compromising. But I shall never let go of this promise. Help me. Let me open my eyes and see how precious this gift is, this promise is. It is the most important, most precious thing, eternal life.